hello and welcome to the Heal in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Marie, a certified trauma-informed coach and complex trauma survivor. Along my own healing journey, I found music to be both a supportive tool for processing emotions and a source of solace and comfort during tough times. On this show, I'm breaking down popular songs through the lens of trauma recovery, healing, and personal growth. So let's dive in. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome back to the Heal and Harmony podcast. Today, we are going to be analyzing one of my all-time favorite songs, not just of Taylor Swift's music, but just straight up all-time favorite songs, which is What Have, Could Have, Should Have. I think if you're a trauma survivor, especially of an abusive relationship of any kind, this might be a very potent episode for you. I want to offer a content note before we get started about this episode is that we are going to be touching heavily on concepts of grooming and sexual abuse. I'm not going to be going into specific graphic descriptions of these things, but they are a huge theme of this podcast episode. And so if that's something that you do not want to listen to right now, that feels like it could be triggering to you um, and something you're just not really wanting to engage in feel free to skip this episode, check out the ones from the past, or, you know, just get ready for a new one in the future. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that my course, Blooming Relationships, is currently open for enrollment. So this course is designed to give you a step-by-step guide to creating fulfilling and empowered relationships after experiencing trauma. So whether you're single or in a partnership, my program offers insights on how to navigate triggers, establish healthy boundaries, build trust, and improve communication skills. There's been over 300 students in the past two years who have taken this course, and I'm extremely proud of the impact this course has made in their lives. So if you're interested, visit my website at emmymarie.com slash blooming dash relationships for more details and student testimonials. The link is also included in the show notes, so you can find it there if you want to check it out and learn more. Enrollment for that is open until May 3rd, so now is a good time to check it out if you're listening to this before then. All right, let's get into our show today all about what have, could have, should have. So a little bit of story time before I kind of get into dissecting this um, song. So when Midnight's came out this year, this was my first time having a Taylor Swift new album coming out since I've been a fan. Um, I started getting really into her music around when Evermore came out. Um, So I was excited when the Taylor's version albums came out for Fearless and Red, for sure. But this was the first new album for me. So it was very exciting. And if you're a Swifty, you probably know that everyone was waiting up until midnight Eastern to listen to the song. So for me, it turned out to be 9 p.m. because I live in the Pacific time zone on a Thursday evening. So of course, I was awake with ease and listened to the first 13 songs of Midnight. Then I went to bed and Taylor dropped seven more tracks overnight, what is now known as the Midnight's 3 a.m. edition. And when I woke up, I was obviously thrilled to have more music to listen to. It felt like Christmas morning. Um, So I started playing those bonus tracks. So I was just laying in bed, barely conscious, listening, you know, getting my bearings on the day. And about halfway through a particular song, I began to realize that she was talking about trauma. And as usual, I'm not here to speculate about Taylor's personal life or what inspired the song with her directly, you know, who this is about, for example. But I want to share my experience with it. So that morning, I leapt out of bed when I realized what was going on with this song. I went on TikTok and Instagram, and I shared kind of my take on it right away. Um, And I was met with so many people who could relate. 
So this song stirred up a lot for me. It has definitely been something that I've used to process my trauma in some ways. It's been a resource for me to cry to and express my anger. Um, And I know I'm not alone in that. So I'm going to be sharing a lot about my story of being in an abusive relationship as a teenager and how this impacted me. If you're sensitive to that topic, once again, just know that you are more than welcome to skip this episode. Um, Please take care of yourself and we will go ahead and dive in now. So in the first verse, I'm going to go ahead and read the lyrics since unfortunately I cannot play the song. So she says, if you would have blinked, then I would have looked away at the first glance. If you tasted poison, you could have spit me out at the first chance. If I was some paint, did it splatter on a promising grown man? And if I was a child, did it matter if you got to wash your hands? So in the first verse, I feel that Taylor is starting to describe how this relationship began or how things fell into a place in a wheel in a way that feels fated or destined and could have potentially been avoided. She's describing how this person, if this person would have blinked, then none of this would have ever happened. If they had said, this isn't right, I'm going to look away from Taylor or the victim of this relationship, as we'll see as we go on, they could have just walked away. They had a choice to not engage in this relationship with her, but they chose to go ahead and do that. Then with the line, if I was some paint, did it splatter on a promising grown man? She starts to allude to the idea that this person has maybe painted her out to be the bad guy, or they might have said, you ruined my life. But I think she's very intentionally saying promising grown man because the person who did this to her was an adult while she was still a child or a teenager when we find out later she's referring to being 19 in the song. I just love how vindictive and angry she sounds, and I find these lines to be incredibly powerful, especially as someone who has been through something similar. Similar. In the next line, she directly spells it out. If I was a child, did it matter if you got to wash your hands? So now she has painted this person out to be a promising grown man and herself being a child, asking if any of this mattered if he got to walk away from it and clean his hands of her. Meanwhile, she is trying to process everything that happened, which is what we're going to be getting into throughout the entire song. So I just think this first verse does a good job of her kind of starting to address this and really expressing her anger towards this person and letting us into to what she's going to be describing throughout the rest of the song. In the next part, she says, all I used to do was pray, what of, could have, should have, if you never looked my way. And then we'll get into the chorus, which is coming soon. But starting with just the line of all I used to do is pray. I think there are two different meanings that can be heard here. So as a standalone sentence, she might be describing how she was young, innocent, faithful, perhaps naive, thinking that if she was just good and perhaps religious or faithful, she would be saved. However, as we know throughout the song, this is not what happened. If we think about this line in the context of the next few lines, which are would have, could have, should have, if you never walked my way, we can think that perhaps in the past, as she was trying to process this relationship, all she could do was pray that it never happened, that if this person had never walked her way, things would have been different. And this is probably part of the song where I started getting really into it, realizing that I definitely relate to this as someone who was in an abusive relationship during my teenage years. I spent the majority of my early 20s just wishing and praying that it never happened and that I could pretend it never happened. I was just asking, why did he do this to me and feeling incredibly stuck? So I just hear that a lot in this part of the song as, you know, she's starting to reckon with the impact of what this relationship did to her. Another thing that is interesting to consider is when she was younger, she might have been praying for a relationship. She might have been praying for someone to love her, which is exactly like I was when I was 15 and got into the abusive relationship was I was obsessed with the concept of love. Like The Notebook um, was my favorite movie as well as what's that one? Um, 
Oh, P.S. I Love You, which is incredibly tragic. Those were my favorite movies. You know, I wanted to be loved, loved desperately. So this idea of all I used to do was pray for love and care. But now I pray that you had like, I wish and I, I pray that you had never looked my way. So now we're going to go ahead and get into the chorus. So she says, I would have stayed on my knees and I damn sure never would have danced with the devil at 19. And the God's honest truth is that the pain was heaven. And now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts. Memories feel like weapons. And now that I know, I wish you left me wondering. So whew, super loaded. Um, I have a whole playlist that's like that religious imagery go hard. And this song is full of the religious imagery. So she is using this religious imagery to describe her feelings towards this traumatic relationship. She acknowledges that if the person had never come into her life, she would have remained innocent, naive, and faithful. However, now she feels like she has danced with the devil, which symbolizes the evil energy she experienced while being in a relationship with this person. As a trauma survivor, it is easy to relate to feeling like God or any higher power has abandoned you in such a situation. Taylor's use of the devil as a metaphor makes the imagery even more impactful, that she was left dancing with the devil, she and it was his fault, and also this feeling that like she has strayed from god or from the light or from goodness and now she is caught up with the darkness of the devil so to speak overall the section really sets the tone for the rest of the song where taylor dives deeper into the trauma she experienced in the next line she goes on to say and the god's honest truth is that the pain was heaven so this could be really confusing for someone who has not been in an abusive relationship but if you have you might have also experienced what it feels like to learn to love the pain what we know about self-harm is that self-harm is typically a way people actually are trying to connect with their bodies. And after someone self-harms, they can feel a rush of dopamine and they can feel good things again. And it can feel like a physical release to help process emotions. So of course, I am not condoning self-harm or saying it's a good coping mechanism, but I also think we need to stop demonizing people who self-harm. I self-harmed throughout almost the entirety of my relationship, starting very, very early on before I even knew to label it as abusive because it helped me process the emotional pain I was going through. It felt like an outlet and a release. So a lot of times in abusive relationships, you get so brainwashed into staying with that person that you teach yourself or they teach you how to love the pain. So you might look back and realize that your body was screaming at you the whole time, telling you how uncomfortable you are, and you learn to embrace that, or you learn to ignore it, and you learn to say, I am this darkness. I love the pain. This pain is who I am. This darkness is who I am. So for me, when I was in my abusive relationship and experiencing a lot of sexual abuse, I thought I had love. I thought I loved the pain. I, I had basically brainwashed myself. I shouldn't say that. He pretty much got me to love this pain by convincing me that things like rough sex, BDSM, all that kind of stuff at age 15 was normal and was cool and was something that we should be doing, which obviously no shame to anyone who likes those things. But for my first sexual experiences, it was very inappropriate. It was very painful and it was not something that I wanted to experience. But I learned that if I just kind of um, owned it or made it so it was cool. It was something I liked and ultimately used it as a form of self-harm. That was a way that I could achieve more control over my experience. So that's a big explanation for my relationship with this concept of the pain was heaven, because I think that can be really confusing to people who have not been through this before. 
So she continues on by saying now that she's grown, she's scared of ghosts and memories feel like weapons. And if that's not a description of PTSD, I don't know what is. When she got out of that relationship and went to, oh, when I got out of the relationship that I'm describing here and went to college, I thought it was over and that I had left it behind the relationship that I was in, even though I was still in unhealthy relationships and ultimately repeating the same patterns. But years later, I realized that I didn't love the pain and the experience was awful. And suddenly the memories started to feel like weapons. And I felt like I was scared of my own past. So having PTSD often feels like being afraid of ghosts because you tell yourself that it's over and nothing bad is happening anymore. And yet you're still afraid. You're still terrified of what it feels like everything and everyone. It's like something is haunting you, which I think makes the ghost imagery really powerful. So I recall a scene from the first season of Big Little Lies, which I hope this isn't a spoiler, I don't think it is, um, where the character, I forget her name, but she's a survivor of sexual abuse and rape. And she has this sort of hallucination or vision where she imagines her abuser breaking into her house. And she kind of shakes herself out of it and snaps out of it and realizes he's not really there. But she has this super haunted expression and demeanor that nobody else can see. So this super resonated with me because living with PTSD can feel the same way. Like someone is always lurking around the corner waiting to hurt you. Memories can absolutely feel like weapons. And I've had to come to a place in my life where I realize that many people can relate to this. I'm happy for anyone who doesn't know what it's like to have PTSD because it's truly an awful experience. And as someone who's been doing the healing work for, you know, seven years at this point, I think, I want you to know that it does get better, that these symptoms like flashbacks and nightmares and feeling like you're being haunted by your trauma can improve over time. So I do want to offer that piece of hope that this is something that I related to heavily a long time ago, not a long time ago, like five years ago, four years ago even, Um, but it has gotten significantly better for me over the years, which I am incredibly grateful for. So I do want you to know that there is hope. So when Taylor Swift, you know, Swifty, Blondie here, dropped this song where she is saying she is scared of ghosts and memories feel like they're weapons, I felt incredibly seen and understood. I was just absolutely blown away and I still am that this song exists, honestly. Okay, so the next part she says, now that I know, I wish you left me wondering. And this reminds me of that kind of type of grooming and abuse process where you were in some sort of abusive, toxic relationship, particularly at a young age where you are more naive than the other person or absolutely younger. This reminds me a lot of my experience in one of those relationships where I was dating someone that was my age, but he had this kind of uh, air of being more mature, more knowledgeable, more worldly. And he loved to tell me how naive I was. So a big part of the grooming process was teaching me that it was very cool to have a lot of sex or do drugs or kind of do these things that I was really uncomfortable with at the time. And really constantly was using these coercive tactics to make me feel like pushing my boundaries, pushing my body past what it was telling me was cool, was normal, was a part of what made a relationship special. So I eventually kind of embodied this or I I owned this by thinking I'm 16 years old. I know so much more about sex and drugs and being cool than my peers. Um, That was something that I had to really unpack when I got older was this identity that I had made for myself of being knowledgeable and special because I knew about all these things that were really grown up when I was at a very young age. 
I got to a point where I was like, that was not cool at all. That was a way that I tried to cope with this being at such a young age. But now when I look back, I agree with what Taylor is saying here that I wish you left me wondering. I wish I could go back and reclaim that naivete. I wish that I wasn't propelled into being an adult and knowing so much about sex and drugs and alcohol and all that shit when I was way too young to know that stuff, when I was way too young to be experiencing that. So he used to call me naive, like it was, you know, an insult. And I really didn't like that. I wanted to be seen as cool and intelligent. I had this extreme thirst to be accepted. And all of that was under his control. It was all a facade. I was never really like improving in intelligence. In fact, I was probably hurting my brain in a lot of ways and ultimately contributing to my trauma. Um, So I agree with Taylor. That's this idea of now that I'm grown, I wish you left me wondering. I wish I never figured out what it is you were trying to tell me with these things you put me through. Okay. So moving on to the next verse. Uh, If you never touched me, I would have gone along with the righteous. If I never blushed, then I could have never whispered about this. And if you never saved me from boredom, I would have gone on as I was. Excuse me. I could have gone on as I was. But Lord, you made me feel important. And then you tried to erase us. So in this verse, she's providing more detail about the relationship and acknowledging that as an adult, she can now recognize the blame that should be placed on the other person. She expresses that her life could have been different if this person had not come onto her and had actually just left her alone. She also touches on the idea that victims often take responsibility for their own abuse, feeling that, you know, they liked it. They let it happen and they didn't say no. So therefore, it's their fault that they are traumatized. So this line, if I never blushed, then they would have never whispered about this, evokes an image of her feeling flattered by the attention of the older man and how this gave other people permission to gossip and talk about the relationship and see her as an equal part of it. So this is applicable not just in grooming situations, but in any intimate partner violence relationship. It's all too easy to assign blame to oneself in such situations because you are noticing the ways that you supposedly consented to the relationship, but odds are it was very much coerced. And especially if it is a child-adult relationship, that is never in any way the child's fault. That is an adult taking advantage of a child's innocence and naivete and willingness to trust. And that is absolutely abhorrent and heinous. So I think the next part of the song is incredibly subtle yet powerful. So the lyrics suggest that if the abuser never came along and introduced the idea of deviating from the naive religious beliefs, so to speak, or just kind of that um, innocent worldview, the victim would have continued living a faithful, if boring, quote unquote, or vanilla life. The abuser saw an opportunity to take advantage of the victim's vulnerability and lure her into a dark world. So this theme resonates deeply with me as it parallels my own experiences in that relationship I've been describing. As a 15, 16-year-old, I found myself engaging in drug use and other destructive behaviors because my abuser was bored with the ordinary. He craved power and control and was constantly trying to get his emotional needs met in really harmful ways. So I kind of learned from him. I almost looked up to him in a way and also he was constantly telling me to do those things. So in my desperate desire to gain his love and approval and be seen as cool by him, I became ensnared in that dangerous game of pushing my boundaries, doing things that were illegal and harmful for my body and mind. 
So she discusses an often occurring pattern in abusive relationships where the abuser, in an effort to keep you with them, will actually discard you. So this is something that I actually don't talk about all that often, is this idea that during the love bombing phase, the abuser is going to make you feel incredibly important, like you're the most special person in the world, and that the two of you are inextricably connected. But then they're going to suddenly treat you like you don't matter at all and discard you and erase everything that they said about how wonderful you are and how perfect you are together. So this is extremely damaging to your sense of self. It can really mess with your nervous system and your attachment to this person. And it can make you lead your, it can make you blame yourself, just desperately want them back that you would do anything to get them back. And suddenly you are all the more at their mercy. So that verse really laid it out to us when it comes to some of these abusive tactics. And once again, this reckoning of, I can't change the past. I can't make this any different, but I wish I could. And, you know, I'm going to lay it out that you tried to quote unquote, save me from boredom. Um, You should have left me bored. You should have left me alone. And yes, I blushed at the attention from you, but that doesn't mean that it was ever really consensual or I really had a part in this. And you made me feel important and then tried to erase us. And that kept me hooked to you in a trauma bond. So this next little part, um, before we get into the chorus again, Taylor sings, you're a crisis of my faith. Would have, could have, should have, if I'd only played it safe. So what's really interesting is I actually thought this said your crisis of my faith. So your crisis of my faith, because it's often said that abusers select their victims, not just because they're vulnerable and emotionally open, but because they possess qualities that the abuser lacks and or doesn't see in themselves. So it's very true that hurt people hurt people and abusive people often have so much shame that they don't know how to handle it. So they end up taking it out on others. So perhaps in the story, the man saw Taylor's innocence, faith and naivete, and that angered him because he had his childhood taken away from him or he felt resentment towards her privilege. And this crisis of her faith, quote unquote, led him to take matters into his own hands and disrupt Taylor's life and sort of ruin it because he had no power over his own life. So that was my take on your crisis of my faith, but I guess it's your a crisis of my faith, which also makes a lot of sense because if we're thinking about how this relationship totally up level or not up level, um, upheaved, is that a word? Uh, destroyed her life in a major way, impacted her life in a really negative way. It was a huge crisis that shook the foundation of her faith, probably in God, in the universe and herself. Um, yeah, and then we get into the chorus again, where she's saying, if I only played it safe, I would have stayed on my knees. I damn sure never would have danced to the devil, etc." So now we're going to skip to kind of the post-chorage. Sorry. Now we're going to skip to kind of the post-chorus part. Once again, don't know if this is an interlude into the bridge or the bridge, whatever. But this part is, without a doubt, one of my favorite parts in the entire song. So the first time I heard it, I was moved to tears and found myself wondering what was going on. Like, is Taylor Swift actually singing this? Like, is, is did she write this song for me? You know, it was one of those moments where you just feel so attuned to. So in this section, once again, Taylor is using religious imagery to express her longing for peace and rest. Let me go ahead and read the lyrics. God rest my soul, I miss who I used to be, the tomb won't close, stained glass windows in my mind, I regret you all the time. I can't let this go, I fight with you in my sleep, the wound won't close, I keep on waiting for a sign, I regret you all the time. 
Woo! So these concepts of peace and rest used to seem so simple to her back when she had this naive, safe, innocent view of the world. But now after everything she's been through, she's unable to comprehend why closure eludes her. The stained glass curtains in her mind won't close and she pleads with the universe for some sense of resolution. It seems like she's over it simply because she is tired of being haunted by the past. She wants it to end. She is begging for it to end. I don't mean she's over it as in, you know, it's all healed and resolved. I think that's kind of the point. She's tired of feeling this way. That's what I'm trying to get at. She also is declaring that she misses who she used to be, which is a super common and normal experience when someone enters your life and changes everything for the worse and really negatively impacts your mental health. It's really difficult to let go of our past selves, which ultimately had to die in order for us to survive. While we may have opportunities to reclaim aspects of our childhood selves that we had to exile and reject, we have to face the fact that we are different now, and ultimately, that is okay. I used to feel like there was something so wrong with me and bad about who I was because I wasn't able to get over it. And so I thought I just needed to pretend or hopefully actually become who I used to be, that naive, playful, happy self. And the reality is that with growing up, we're never going to go back to our childhood or teenage selves anyways. Um, But whatever age your trauma occurred at, it's not always possible, if it is at all, to get back to the person that we used to be. But the power in being a trauma survivor is really creating a new life for yourself that supports your constant evolution as a human being and allows you to really reach your full potential and get to where you're meant to be. Um, Not because the trauma doesn't exist or because you're totally fine or you're exactly how you were as a child, but because you are there for yourself now, because you are willing to give yourself joy and because you have gotten to a safe environment where you're no longer being actively traumatized. So when Taylor delivered the line, I regret you all the time, That hit me right in the heart, right in the bones. Every fiber of my being just feels the weight of that statement. Some people say they don't live with regrets or resentment, but how can that be true for us who know what it's like to have suffered through abusive relationships or other traumas that result in CPTSD? This is why I love this song. Taylor is really giving survivors like us permission to say, screw this. I miss who I used to be and I'm never going to get that back. And that makes me incredibly angry and sad. Her lyrics give us a voice to express our emotions and validate our experiences instead of like, look on the bright side or don't live with regrets, just move on and be happy. All that stuff that never has really resonated with me as a survivor. Taylor is just letting us resonate with this song of, yes, I regret you all the time. And as someone who has found a tremendous amount of healing and peace, I don't sit around day day in and day out hating my abuser, sending him ill will, doing anything to disrupt his life. But do I still regret everything that happened? Do I still regret him in my life? Absolutely. I am so grateful for the life that I have now, but I still don't think that I ever needed to be traumatized in order for what I have to be present. So if you disagree with that, that is totally okay. This is just my perception. Um, And thank you for kind of respecting my experience. Okay. 
To describe, to further describe the experience of PTSD, Taylor's lyrics of I can't let this go, I fight with you in my sleep, once again, hit hard. For those of us who have suffered trauma, it's common to put on a brave face and act like everything is fine, only to be jolted awake by a nightmare that reminds you that you are far from okay. So the idea of fighting with someone in your sleep can mean different things to different people, but for me, I used to have recurring nightmares where I was being stalked and attacked and killed by my abuser. So all I wanted to do was let go and move on but that was easier that it was easier said than done and the exhaustion of waking up from these nightmares can be incredibly overwhelming and ultimately make it hard to function so once again the ptsd awareness and advocacy in this song of i fight with you in my sleep describing nightmares a core symptom of ptsd it makes me feel so seen um i just absolutely love this song and then the next line of i keep on waiting for a sign is also so poignant For those who have had a spiritual or religious background, it's super common to look to a higher power for guidance and hope, and ultimately that can be really healing. But we might try manifesting or praying, hoping that if we just do the right things spiritually, we will receive a sign that things will get better, or our life will kind of change overnight and healing will just transcend upon us. That is something that when I got into meditation, I read The Power of Now back in 2018, I really thought was going to happen, is if I just did the right things spiritually, healing would just kind of fall upon me in this effortless way. But when you're in a desperate place, when you're really low and really struggling, waiting for a sign can feel like eternity. And it can feel super frustrating to not know where you're supposed to go next, what you can do to help yourself. And ultimately, the fact that the healing process takes a long time can just be really frustrating in and of itself. Okay, and the next part here, she says, if clarity is in death, then why won't this die? Years of tearing down our banners, you and I, Living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts. Give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. Woohoo! I think the song really hits a crescendo here with the intensity emotionally. Um, one thing I really like about the first part of if clarity's in death, then why won't this die is the desperate searching that a lot of trauma survivors, myself included, are looking for with closure. We are wanting the experience that is living inside our bodies in the form of PTSD to end. We want the relationship to end. We are aware that the relationship did end maybe many years ago, but the feelings within us are not dying. And that is incredibly frustrating. Then there's this line of years of tearing down our banners, you and I. So this idea that maybe both of them have a lot of bad blood towards each other. They've both kind of um, revoked the relationship and, you know, let it die in some way, tried to tear each other down, um, you know, separately or publicly. Uh, but it's not working. It's not providing the closure that she is desiring because trauma isn't the same as the practical reality we live in. Trauma is stored in our bodies. And of course, with the line, living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts, give me back my girlhood, it was mine first. This, you know, shocked me upon hearing it. I was just like, oh, okay, this song is literally about a traumatic experience, an abusive relationship that happened at a young age and forced her to grow up way too young. So the phrase girlhood can be interpreted in many different ways, such as the innocent and curious experience of being a girl, or it could even be referred to as one's virginity that was taken away by an abuser or a groomer, or their feeling of sexual safety in general, if it wasn't their literal virginity, which is a construct. 
In the context of the Midnight's album, we see that Taylor has a healthy sense of revenge and it's completely normal to have the urge to hurt your abuser. That doesn't mean that someone is going to be violent or evil. And I, of course, am not condoning you to take revenge on your abuser in the form of harming them. But I do think it's really important to consider that that is a natural response of being mistreatment of being mistreated saying i'm living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts like if there's any way i can get back at you that's what i want that is thrilling to me it's almost important for me to live in spite of you and if you have ever lived in spite of someone um i see you i can relate to you there have been times in my life where i'm like I am at such a low mentally, but the thing that's keeping me going is I will spite my abuser. I will not let this experience destroy me. I will not let myself die or, you know, give up because I want to spite him. I hate him and I want to keep living to say you didn't get the best of me. So I see you if that's something that you can relate to. I think it can be ultimately really powerful in those moments where we're just living super, um, where living feels super hard. So that statement about girlhood in the song, give me back my girlhood, it was mine first, I think represents Taylor regret, Taylor's regret over giving her abuser a part of herself and the pain that comes with that betrayal of trust. So this song highlights the need for grieving and healing and trauma recovery, especially when trauma recur- occurs during one's formative years. So grieving and healing might be an ongoing process that takes time and effort to integrate into one's life. Taylor's music encourages creative expression along with straight up screaming at the sky and letting those emotions out as a healthy way to process and honor this pain. And her example is really inspiring. Just by creating this song where she's kind of singing, screaming, give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. Like I, once again, just feel so unbelievably seen by this song. Um, as someone who feels like her girlhood was ripped away from her way, way, way too early. So this song ends with her singing the chorus again, repeating, I regret you all the time, giving us that chance to absolutely process those feelings. If those are feelings that you've had. Um, And yeah, I just think the PTSD awareness within this song is just so incredible. I'm so grateful for her for writing this and for including it on the Midnight's 3am edition. So overall, once again, I just incredibly grateful for Taylor for creating this song for all of us who have survived sexual abuse or interpersonal abuse, especially at a young age. Like, it hits so hard to hear someone with such a large platform seem to make a song directly for us. And if this is something she experienced, which it seems like she did, um, yeah, she is so unbelievably powerful for turning that experience into art. So as always, so grateful for Taylor. I still love to listen to this song when I need to channel my anger or grief. It's on my CPTSD playlist. And honestly, I don't listen to it a whole lot outside of that because it feels really tender and, you know, vengeful or it feels really tender and emotional to me. Uh, But it's absolutely one of my favorite songs ever. So thank you so much for listening to my analysis of what have could have should have on today's episode of Heal and Harmony. If you are feeling any activation or emotional fatigue, I encourage you to acknowledge to 
respect those emotions and your experience. If you're a survivor of abuse, please know that you are not alone. Be sure to check out the resources in the show notes if you're seeking support or interested at all in working with me. I would love to work with you. And as a reminder, my course is open for enrollment right now. And if you enjoy this podcast, I would kindly ask you to please take a moment to leave a rating and review. Huge thanks to those of you who have already done so. The support means the world to me. And I know this is a very niche podcast, so it's been really fun to connect with a few of you who have reached out to say that you like it and you resonate with it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope if this episode is something you can relate to, you take extra good care of yourself today. You are so powerful, so brave. I am wonder I'm just so proud of you, even though I can't see you and I don't know you, but please know you have someone in your corner cheering you on and really for you. So that's all for me today. I hope you will return for our next podcast episode. And until then, bye-bye.